You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is Standing in Two Worlds with Dr. Sam Juni from Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. You know, Sam, I always say Ir HaKodesh when it comes to uh, introducing you. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Like, a little ironic that I'm mentioning Ir HaKodesh, and yet uh, I shared with you right before we started recording something from uh, the, the Jerusalem Post at Yerushalayim, and it's very far from being anything Kodesh. Um, and when things happen in Yerushalayim and in Eretz Yisrael, especially when they um, uh, are resonating within the Haredi world, uh, scandals of a sexual nature, uh, of abuse, of uh, it, 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 it rocks our consciousness. How can it be? Okay, maybe we expect this in Las Vegas. Maybe we expect this maybe behind the closed doors of some white picket fence suburb in America, but in B'nai Brak, in Yerushalayim, that someone who is representative of not just um, Haredi society, but a Magen Yeladim, someone who is a defender a, 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 of the Yeladim, someone who has been a therapist who uh, created a, uh, a, a, a center for children's trauma, someone who has been uh, a pace setter to allowing to, to children to be able to express themselves after they had been victims of abuse, has now uh, been accused by three different uh, women of being a serial rapist and a manipulator of the worst sort. Obviously, it's not for us, Sam, to say whether the man is guilty or not. And I, I have to tell you, by the way, just parenthetically, the Jerusalem Post article that I read to you right before we started recording seemed to relish, you know, taking its readers into some sort of sordid uh, um, uh, details. You know, and, and, I, and obviously, even if, you know, I, I just want to read the news, it it, it, uh, it stirs the worst parts of our um I, get, I don't know if it's the worst part, Sam. Maybe it's the uh, it's the normal parts of our mind. But they are very farhat by this, and this is something that once again, uh, you know, is, is 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 dancing around the headlines. And I can tell you that not only does it take away from the kedusha of the sense of what Yerushalayim and Menebrak is, it's it, it really shatters people. Um, it shatters people's belief. Uh, in the system, it shatters people's belief in, in in the structures of orthodoxy. And I want you to, you know, not only discuss the phenomena we've talked about abusers before, but um, imagine that the, the family of the person who's been accused. Um, imagine how they are dealing with this in terms of what support they can give, the shock that they feel. Um, and even if, you know, the ch- if the, the person's children, how is it that they can somehow deal with this, um, especially if it turns out that the evidence is strong and indicative that the person is himself guilty? So, Geishwine. In many cases, um, the um, inappropriate behavior of these perpetrators is known by a long, for a long time, 
definitely by people who know the person well and even by people who are just part of the community. Usually what happens is that it hits the fan by getting out there rather than it hits the fan coming as a total surprise. So that, that's step number one. So when you talk about the family becoming overwhelmed by this kind of notice, that is the minority. Usually the family has some inkling knowing about it and usually there is, have even been uh, accusations that have come up that have been squelched, that have been choked, or have been naively dismissed by people th- who thought that the uh, situation can be corrected. So th- th- that's just one issue. Um, what um, I also would like to just differentiate between two types of, of um, manipulators of this sort. There are people who um, are basically very open with themselves about their proclivity for abuse, and they don't really excuse it in terms of themselves. They say, yeah, this is what I do. I think this is nice. This is good. Some even have a, 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 um, a mini philosophy to go along with it, why it's not harmful. There's all these man-boy associations uh, that, that essentially um, forcibly abuse uh, younger kids, and they have a rationale for it. So that's one type of person. Then there's the other people uh, who um, basically have some misgivings, and they try to convince themselves that somehow it's okay, but they have misgivings about it. And th- those are two different types of people. So like when you look at the, especially, unfortunately, with the, the, the rabbinic transgressors, those who are religious com- Jewish community leaders, they often use their lines on victims, uh, cloaking it in almost a philosophical, theological, that this is something that's good for you, it's good for other people, because I'm doing this, that allows me to help others. They use this, these kinds of lines. And um, the question is, I mean, the question, the diagnostic question, from my perspective, is this person being for real or is this just a come on that they've learned? Like instead of in the bar saying, oh, what's a, what are you doing here? Fancy meeting you here. We can't keep meeting like this. This is a line that they use. And, and these are different kinds of breeds. Those that are straightforward psychopaths and just abuse people, they, there's no way to change them, first of all. And... Um, we don't even, even have to look at their shtick. Calling them orthodox, not orthodox, feeling that betrayed is a mistaken identity because this person was never into that. They just used it as shtick, as a means, as a method. The ones that are most damaging to victims, but not the victims, but to people who look at this and say, I don't want any business with these kinds of people, are those who actually convince themselves that they are being genuine uh, uh, religious figures here who are using this kind of in a good way, almost this the, the Sabbathian mythology, evil for good, or they're using this as a way of being better or being worse, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so these are just two different breeds. I, I am always um, surprised by the uh, character witnesses that show up, well, before he even gets the courts, the phone calls I get saying, you're off your wall. You can't possibly think that this person is someone who's a perpetrator because he's such a big, I don't know, charitable. He works for the Hever Kadisha. He, he gives for the poor. He helps injured people, et cetera, et cetera. And the idea is that, of course, you can't have someone who has some real pathology 
if they also have some characteristics which are commendable or socially de- uh, socially desirable. And I, I find that kind of um, contradiction uh, specious. I don't think it means anything at all. No. And that's where the family really gets upset because you know somebody, for instance, as a great father and a great provider, and here he turns out to be a serial killer. And I've seen that. It's kind of scary, but the point is, did you really know the person or not? And that's what causes disequilibrium in the victims. So here I was fooled all this time. Here I thought this person was a great or whatever and isn't. And it makes you doubt your judgment, uh, your moral convictions, your religious affiliations, and sometimes your sanity. And that's where it gets quite quite tricky from the psyche. We've all seen uh, people that have been exposed, people that have used, like you said, Sabbatean or Kabbalistic language, uh, to justify their behavior, the antinomian and and and, and behavior. It's strange here, though, that the, again, without judging whether this person is guilty or not, um, that most of his work that he was praised for was about helping victims of abuse and giving a a a a, a new way for Orthodox children to be able to speak. And it was so it was heralded as, as such a great advancement in the area of protecting victims of abuse. It, it seems the hypocrisy there seems to be startling. Right. And is it possible that if he is guilty, that when he was doing his work, he meant it fully and totally. And he was passionately working to help so many other victims, despite the ones that he was dealing with. Is he a complete fraud or has he bifurcated aspects of his personality where part of him can be dedicated and caring and committed? And and let, let me put it very graphically. The kids that he wasn't interested in having a good time with, he actually wanted to help them from their abuse and be healthy and better. However, in some part of his mind, if he's guilty, he he zeroed in on a few of them, whoever they were, that he felt he could get his jollies with. But the ones that, but 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 he really did feel that he was trying to help the world and make things better and and and, and help his victims and like. What I, I think the series is uh, giving children their voice, not crushing kids, them. The English is kids speak. And I have quite a kids few volumes in the house from my children who bought them. Okay. Kids so th- does that make the, the anomaly e- even more stark to you? I, I, again, let me, again, contrast. I have, have known Rosh Hashivot, Rosh Hashivers, in protecting children and giving them a safe space and helping uh, uh, eliminate the blight of sexual predator, uh, uh, of sexual predation, is himself someone who does this. Does that, does that, does that, how does that hold in your mind? I think you're basically hearkening back to the division I just made, and it's hard for me to tell what's going on here. There are two options here, okay? The way you stated that number one, that the person is a total um, misrepresentation, that he never really cared about people trying to help them, and this was just his way of getting exposed or having access to people whom he can then abuse. And the other possibility is that he was trying to help them, 
at least at a conscious level, he was trying to help them, but that at some point he got carried away by what he considered to be um, um, subterranean ideas that he's supposed to fight against, and he couldn't, so to speak, fight against his evil inclinations. But that that kind of setup, choice B, really reduces to from a from a psychoanalytic perspective that he is a fraud, but that he managed to fool himself, honestly fool himself. And I'm talking about, I've had, you know, conversations with this with hospitalized patients to understand what was he thinking, you know, somebody who was helping others and killing people at the same time. What 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 is your logic here? Or in this case, being a a, a well, a related case, being a a, a priest who is actually helping victims and at the same time being an abuser. So the point is that he'd say, yes, I really was committed to that and that something within me came up, which was really evil or whatever, and I couldn't control that. But I saw that as an anomaly. What it really means is that the underlying truth about himself was a fiction, that he convinced himself to do this. And I would just say that um, in terms of reaction formation theory, um, people who feel strongly about a topic, either one way or the other, even if they're opposite ways, have much more in common with each other than they do with people who are apathetic about it. So I would say that uh, many people don't devote their lives to fighting for a certain cause. And then we raise eyebrows when all of a sudden you find out that they're perpetrators within the same cause. But I raise my eyebrows less when I find that someone who is a vehement um, um, advocate for one perspective to be doing exactly the opposite because what drives them unconsciously is at least being in touch and being in contact um, emotionally with that topic, whether you do that or do the opposite. So I really don't know, but I don't know about this particular dude, but I have seen people who were abusers who did beautiful jobs in helping people. All right. And the, the question is just whether they were working. Members of my family, when, when these issues come up, see this as a corrosion of the orthodox system in many ways, especially the defenders that rise up. And we've spoken about this, I think, in the past. Yes. And um, you know, people sitting there say, well, you know, uh, whenever the hypocrisy seems to be more stark, the defense of that hypocrisy is an indicator of even how deep the corruption is. Not only is there this corrupt person in there, but there's also a, the the uh, the people rising to defend him that represent uh, the bulwark of the system that don't want this to happen. And so many people will then say, I don't want anything to do with this because it's so... so What I would comment on from my own perspective is that I find that often the rationale behind the organized society of which the perpetrator belongs to, when they rise to his or her defense, it usually is based on a mitigation of the gravity of the situation. Like, big deal. They don't see this as something that's really harmful to others, something that can literally destroy people's lives, etc. Eh, so they did something. So how terrible is it already? Person's probably too young to know what's happening. I think that is what really um, uh, uh, serves to uh, uh, discredit them in terms of the population that's not 
like, let's say, 100% adherence, saying, look, you obviously have no value for this. I, I can't relate to somebody like you if, you if you don't understand what this does to people. Uh, uh, Sam, I think that was the old uh, defense, the older defense that you might have had in the Finkelstein case and other cases. No, but I'm saying, it's a, of but, course, it's not explicit. I find it's there because I've talked to these. So, I mean, people no, no, call me no. up. There's no way you can uh, assist in the court case about this because I know this person and the bottom things. So what are we talking about already? Did right. we actually do X or Y or Z? Or was it just A, B, and C? And I say, who cares? But no, they care. No, 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 I, no, I understand. And, and I, but I still think what I'm saying is correct. I think that there was an attempt 25, 30 years ago when these things started to bubble up to say it wasn't so bad. So he rubbed up against this guy. So he, he sort of had homosexual tendencies, but he didn't really act upon them. And it, those have been shot down. What's interesting here that in this case, uh, his defense attorneys are saying Lahadam. That the whole thing is a and, and 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 again arguing because he's been such a champion in right. the uh, of, of defenders. That's why sure. people who have who he has who he has hurt and, and exposed as abusers have now decided to get their revenge by somehow uh, yeah. uh, you know getting these people getting these young women uh, to to have this type of to to bring this type of evidence. So which is a different type of defense. The first way. I think everybody knows is 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 terrible, and people like Rabbi Willig and others have given a mea culpa and, and, and have apologized for trying to to, to minimize the types mm-hmm. of abuse that have happened in the past. Here, I think it's a little bit different, and people like my daughter and others who read the defense, you know, they, they raise their eyebrows and they say, "Come on, right? You know, they're, 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 why? What would be the reason why?" these victims should you know should come forth and give such graphic descriptions about somebody why is it that we should somehow believe that they're all somehow there's a vendetta that has that has arisen and the fact that that they are orthodox uh, people were saying, no, we have to don Lakov's hus, and we have to assume that's what's going on because a person has a cheskas kashras young people like people that I know in my family are very skeptical when they hear that and uh, I, I think for good reason. Another thing that I think in this Kafskos means that I don't go ahead and engage in prejudicial actions against someone until I know it for sure. But you can't tell me how to think. I mean, I make judgments about how to think every time I cross the street or I decide where to buy my next falafel. So I'm going to use that same judgment to say, hey, it doesn't look good. Okay. And you can't tell me I can't think that way. You can't tell me how to think. Once you tell me how, how to think, then I leave the aegis of your <laughs> commands. Sorry, you tell me how to think. I'm a, you tell me what to do, how to whether I take action against someone. Okay, then we can have some kind All of right, um, right, well, Sam. System. Now we're touching on your whole uh, sheet of yes, religiosity, absolutely. which yes. which and and again, I don't want to marginal as far as most people are concerned. But that's okay, and, and we've of course discussed that on this program and in our private conversations. However, in terms of believing be Hara, the Chafetz Chaim has 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 fine tuned what our attitudes have to be, and whether we accept the Chafetz Chaim's Hanochas or not is is another thing. But there is some sense of what you're supposed to suspect and what you're supposed to think might be true, how you're supposed to guard yourself. But here's another thing: let, let me bring Cosby in as emotional. Now, Cosby is now a free man because of. Uh, mistakes that were made by the prosecution, promises that were made and that were reneged on. But okay, 
But I think all of us know that he did um, drug these women and he did sleep with them and he did as much. Now, at the same time, he uh, was the producer and the main force of a television program that was helping society. It was helping society in terms of accepting the African-American family as as a norm and as a family that can be uh, seen as normal, regular people and, and, and noble, and at the same time, giving messages for safe, safety for children, educational issues. Um, he was awarded doctorates. The program itself did as much in many people's minds, as Obama's presidency to really mm-hmm. flatten the, the surface of, of white America about what the African-American experience was. You could say the Cosby show and some of the books that Cosby wrote on parenthood and other things were popular, but people listened to them and they became better fathers and better husbands and more tolerant of their African-American and, neighbors. And, and better other, people. I would say better other, people. Understanding. When many, when Michael Brown and others were arrested and, and assaulted, uh, Cosby was a voice of saying, well, maybe we should look at our own community, the African-American community that was, and, and figure out why, why are we, instead of blaming police, maybe we should look at the excesses of the community and wonder why, uh, you know, things need to be so aggressive, why there needs to be this uh, situation of what it was, of the shoplifting and the, and the stealing. Okay. Now, once Cosby was outed and was caught, those messages now sound hollow. And the good stuff that he did, people don't even want to see it. I know sometimes when my wife and I are looking for a program to watch that is somehow power of, and, oh, Cosby, I don't know if I can watch that, she'll say, you know, from what I've heard about. (laughs) Right, right, right. right? And and so I'm going to say the same thing here. And I use Cosby because Cosby is a universal marshal. Um, do you believe whatever is, is, is they confirm about this fellow who wrote uh, Kids Speak, is that going to taint in many people's minds the works that the person has done? Are people going to say, I can't read that? Um, no, 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 no. Um, because the guy behind it. And, and Shmilu, you know, I have a personal stake in this because mice become... Is it somehow tainted and somehow considered, you know, less significant? Well, I, to, to bring up something that's, well, let me give you two, Michelle, from my personal life, okay? I was always like an avid um, um, uh, adherent of Shlomo Kalbach and of Merikahana, okay? And they both, uh, uh, basically, there's been enough um, innuendo and accusations about them to show that they had parts of their life which were definitely unadmirable and maybe seamy and probably antisocial as well. And I have managed, now it's not, the idea about not killing, not, not shooting the messenger, but shooting the message, I believe that that's true even when the source of the messages are the message of themselves. So people have various aspects to them and some of them are quite admirable and some of them are quite nasty. Like I um, know a surgeon who is a nasty person excellent surgeon. I refer to him. I have no problem. I have no problem. You say, how can you do this? He himself is whatever. You might even consider him a psychopath or whatever. I say surgery is excellent. So you have someone like Cosby. 
I don't believe that his entire message, and he was involved with, with, the, with the, uh, the, the sitcoms he produced. I think that was lofty. He also had a certain aspect to him, which was quite uh, deplorable. So then we say that we can't watch that. Well, I remember over here in our local shul, they decided you can't sing Kabach songs anymore. And I said, what the heck? There's no question that, you know, these songs are inspiring. Kabach himself meant it when he was, I don't think he was using it as a command or just as a command. Nah, he, he was real yeah. about it. And he himself used to say, yeah, I got some problems. Okay, I don't know anybody. Doesn't. I'm not justifying at all or mitigating what's going on. But I think there is a, again, I don't know this particular dude other than I have family members who are real fans. I mean, yeah. I have books of his. I've given books away. I've dropped them off at the, <laughs> at the stop simply because I can't stand that kind of, you know, infantile, uh, you know, whatever. But I'm saying, but they're here. And my, I would never tell them, don't read it. Oh, this person had some nasty things. I, I, I don't know. But even let's say if he was using as a ruse, some people, because they need to, somebody wants to make a living and he's a psychopath, he can decide to become an excellent teacher or an excellent physician. And yes, he's still a maniac, but that's why I shouldn't use the atlas of the body that the guy comes up with. This is the, the atlas, basically a Nazi atlas of the body was used as text for many, many years. And there were... Uh, I read some reports that a lot of the fine data, especially about the nerve structure, came from them brutalizing um, um, a Jewish um, um, concentration. Right. Yeah. It was still used. It was still used. And I'm not saying, okay, it's horrible the way it came about, but we're not going to just like, cancel it, so to speak. But with this guy, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Well, okay. just, I, I, the only thing I'm very comfortable that a person can, at least on the conscious level, have various conflicting aspects, some of which are admirable and some of which are deplorable, and they don't have to wash over, over each other. Yeah. Now, if well, I were right. abused, I doubt I would want to read um, parts of something that has a positive message from my abuser. Okay, that's personal, but I don't know if I could uh, preach that. Yeah, and, and you know, of course, and, and you've already said this, but just to bring it out even further, a work of art is is different, or a, or a song is different than when it's a, a, a essay or a institution that's built on what this person, the antithesis of what this person was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not, of course, as you say, he could be, he could be that thing and it's opposite at the same time. So, but I think that, you know, in, in terms of Karlbach, um, obviously, you know, Da Vinci, Mona Lisa has a, has a life beyond its, its creator. And Karlbach's mm-hmm. song, especially what it's done, it, it can relate back to Karl Bach giving him, you know, and from my perspective, big schuyas in, in the Ilama Emes for what he has done. I think and the JDL, is, the, the good deeds of the JDL, and there were many, are untainted by any kind of tryst that the Mayor Kahana was involved in. Yes, right. So, whereas, you know, here, this is what, and you already addressed it, hmm, you know this 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 philosophy or this you know what sort of uh, what sort of corrupt angle are we going to find here? Which I think is in that way, and I think you've answered it. How a dispassionate person might be able to get something from it? You know, we we started in the intro. I, I mentioned the family discovering that, and could a child be able to do the same thing? I mean, that would be that would take a lot of work. 
to be able to, uh, when you, you're hearing in the public space how your father or mother was this terrible abuser and what they did to me, and you knew them as something else, and you and, and they were your protector. You never saw that by them. You were never abused yourself. Um, that damage, and most of us, you know, don't have so much passion or compassion, I'm sorry, for the family. We don't think about that. We think about the abuser. We think about the victims. We maybe speculate in what I just talked about, what the abuser has done. Does this ruin his whole organization? Talk a little bit about, and I'm sure you've you've met family members, uh, children of parents that they've discovered, that they've discovered about their parents, this awful secret. How, how what would you do? What would you say to them to allow them to cope? I, I'd like to hearken to, to a bit of an other uh, situation which I've been in touch with, which is um, people discovering that their parent, their father was a Nazi, an active Nazi, which they were unaware of, what that does to them. And um, there is that idea saying, how can I still love this person and admire and look up to them when they've been objectively speaking, such an atrocious person. So other than just um, uh, folding in with the defense and saying it must not be so atrocious because all the victims deserved it, which I've not seen anybody do, I certainly don't envision that happening in a family of somebody who's caught to be an abuser or a pedophile, but um, splitting, splitting is possible. It's possible for them to split and say, look, he was a good father, he was a good family person. He had his weaknesses. And unfortunately, he couldn't fight them. And for that, he, some of them will say, should be, I remember in the case of the daughter of a Nazi, I think my father should be condemned. He did horrible things, but I can't say that he was not a good father. It's very difficult to do that. And I'll tell you why, because there's a problem of identity here, especially if it's a parent. Um, the parent becomes part of our, should we say, self-identificatory blood, so to speak. And to admit that your father or parent was a lousy individual and somebody was hurtful to so many others says something about you, unfortunately. And uh, it's very hard to fight that. Objectively, it's a lie, unless you assume that you were raised uh, even subliminally with all these messages that ultimately you abuse people. But other than that, which is far-fetched, funny kind of theory, it's... You can't separate it. You can't separate it, and you forever end up incorporating the guilt, definitely incorporating the stigma. It's like, you know, oh, you are that person. You're from that family. I know there are some folklores in, in Yiddish culture where an entire town gets branded based on some event that somebody did. He's known, oh, you're from that town. Forget it. Nobody wants anything to do with you. Um, so, I mean, my heart really goes out to these people, assuming that they're not tainted, and I don't think they are, personally, when you come from that kind of family, and you can't live it down. You can't live it down in your own. I mean, I know suicides that often happen from similar kinds of situations where basically the, the, the very foundation of your identity gets so shattered that you have nothing to hold on to. So I, I don't have any uh, soothsaying to say about those. And I can even say that it may not even diminish the good deeds that the person did, assuming that they were not done in the service of that person's perversion. But um, I think they're empty words. I, I don't think I would, I'm not a therapist. I don't think I would take on 
a patient who had this kind of situation who wants to be rid of the demon that's been foisted upon them or that they internalized, I think it's a uh, fairly horrible situation. So if I need to talk to these <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Abusers, I would say, hey, you're messing up your family. <laughs> you're yeah. not just messing up your victims. And I'm sure they will listen to me. Um, you know, you talk about um, you know still recognizing the good father that the person might have had. Um, and the Nazi, of course, is very an extreme case because it, it is so... No, but uh, I, I, I've actually come in contact with... No, no, I understand. And, and, and I could hear a child saying, <laughs> you are my parent, but I can't come and visit you. I can't support yeah, you because, because, because th- what you were connected to was such a, a, a crime against humanity. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Let's say, let's imagine that are the person you know the the one we started talking about ends up serving time in some sort of prison um and 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 is put away for their crimes should you go and visit and should you go there or should, should you should is a bad one but okay. i wouldn't i would i could not i would say no you're like an evil i'm not going to i'm not going to comfort you you're an evil person i mean you're my dad but you should rot in hell you know or i, I I, I couldn't get myself to do it, but I can't say that I would blame. I've seen them, you know, some tear-jerking movies of this sort where the person goes and supports an ailing um, uh, um, elder, even though they, they're guilty of who knows what. And I can understand it. I, I just couldn't do it. I wouldn't yeah. do it. You know, using the Gemara in Sanhedrin's uh, incredible statement, when the Gemara talks about Boba Machteris, as you might remember, the intruder who comes into the home, mm-hmm. The assumption is, and every Israeli, even secular Israeli, knows this because they live it on their sleeve. Right? Which is, yeah. course, which is, which is the rationale why. Who doesn't know how to say this in Arabic? Yes. So the 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 person, just to give a little background, the person whose home is 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 being invaded uh, has a right to kill the person because. He probably will kill you because he knows that that you are going to try to apply deadly force. So see every home invader as a murderer who will murder you. Murder him first. So we know the, the, the Torah, when it writes about this, says that if, however, the sun shines upon this person, then you, sh- even though he's broken into your home, do not do anything. So the rabbis interpret this to mean if the sun shines on that person that you know would never harm you, despite the fact that you have become alienated from him, despite the fact that he's breaking into your house to steal things from you because he's so desperate, there's a certain person that will never harm you. Even if you go to him and push him around and grab him and slap him and beat him, he will never use deadly force against you, despite the histories that you've had. And the Talmud says, who is that? Your father. Mm-hmm. Now, the Talmud indicates there it doesn't work the other way around. When a child comes, and you can imagine how incredible this would be, if a child is the homebreaker, the father doesn't, shouldn't assume that the child will not kill him. Wow. Okay. However, the child needs to assume in the reverse situation that his father, despite what he's become, will not be able to fight back with deadly force. And therefore, the child needs to realize his father needs help, but he will never harm you. Um, I am taking that, which is an incredible psychological insight that the Gemara has, 
I would say, Sam, that if a father knew that their child was put away for being a, a pedophile predator, I would assume the parents would still come to visit. Yes, 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 yes. That makes a lot of sense. Yes, they would. He's still our child. He's still our child. Which is interesting that that it doesn't, but but the child might be able to say, I can't connect to my dad or mom anymore if they did this. Well, you have to realize that developmentally, we are primed to look for our identity that's different and distinct from the parents, almost a contradistinction. We almost, in a sense, define ourselves by how different we are, but parents live on in their children's identity forever. They don't, they don't stop ever. They still see it. This is me, whereas children would like to say, no, that's not me. You know, I'm somebody else. Wow, that's profound. That's good. Yeah. So, and, and, and I think that if this fellow, again, it's all theoretical, nothing is going to happen based on our discussion here. But if it does, I would expect his, fam- his parents to be able to still say, look, my son might be rotten, but he's still my child. But I couldn't say the same in that case for a spouse or for children. Okay, sp- right. I think a spouse especially. Is, sure, well, they're the most recent acquisition. And as you know, the relationship is the most tenuous, especially when, in this case, if it serves to be true, this great Haredi Frumkite person had been had cheated, basically on his wife, and 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 you know and and. That's the least of his problems, cheating. But you know case, what I mean. The wife. Yes, of course. The, the, it's a betrayal. It's an ultimate betrayal. Oh, oh, right, because right. Turn, you turn out to be a maniac in addition to cheating. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And therefore, you're right. The wife would, would be the one to, to walk away first. That's um, the first one, right. A hundred percent. Okay. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.